Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars News from the Frontlines radio show, where we bring you the news straight as it's coming out of the prisons from the from the front lines of the cannabis wars. People are going to prison, getting out of prison, all for a plant. Um, that's why we get together. Our volunteers on this show um, get together every single week in order to present this this news to you in order to get the voices of the war heard. Um, because in regular media, you, know, you just don't turn your on and find out that there's somebody spending a life sentence for cannabis or that our state laws are different and our federal laws are different. And the federal government's still raiding us and going after us like crazy. But um, you don't hear that on regular TV. So this is where you're going to hear that from. Um, all, of our, all of our volunteers here do not get paid. We are here out of the kindness of our hearts to come together every week on Sunday in order to present this show to you. My name is Kristen Floor. I am uh, one of the hosts of the show. Um, the other host of the show is Eugene Fisher, and Eugene Fisher is um, he's in the hospital. He actually fell and hurt himself, so he's missing out this week. Um, he will be back on next week. Uh, Eugene served a life sentence for cannabis and got released after five years, or he was sentenced to life and got released after 25 years. I'm sorry. He spent 25 years in prison. Um, this show is going to be a really good show today because we have a woman by the name of Amber Taylor. She's going to come on and talk about her dad, whose name is Thomas Landreth. Thomas Landreth is not going to be out of prison until 2029, and he is literally being tortured every day and being denied medical care that's keeping, barely keeping Thomas alive. Um, he's suffering from a brain tumor, and his daughter just wants him to be healthy and to be alive and to not be denied medical care and to also be free. And she's a big advocate for her dad. She's done some amazing things to try to gain some attention to his spot to her father which you know my, you guys everybody knows my dad died in prison for the for the plant so when I see other daughters fight for their dads it just brings a lot of compassion to my world personally so really excited to talk to her after we're done talking to her at about 10 30 we're going to talk to Craig Cecil who is on his 13th year of his life sentence for cannabis and we're going to find out uh, what's straight from the front lines of the prison that he's being detained in and find out what's what they're serving him to eat, what's on his in his head, what is going on with Craig. Nine forty five. We're hopefully here with George Monterano. We have not confirmed it. However, he does have a regular nine forty five segment on the show every week, but we have not confirmed that he will be here. If he is not here, um, Mindy, the other hope, and I'm going to get to Mindy in just a second, but Mindy and I will do some some talking about about um, some of our prisoners and some of the news that's going on out there. Um, George spent 33 years of a life sentence in prison for cannabis and is an amazing man. Um, after George, we're going to talk to a recently released POW by the name of Scott Walt. Scott Walt has had an advocate for him come on to our show in the past to tell his story. Um, they were raising uh, money for him so that he can buy clothes and things like that. Um, he was incarcerated for 21 years and three months. Um, he's finally free, and he's going to come on from about 10 to 10.30 and tell us about what freedom feels like, and anything that's on his mind, we're going to hear from him. After him, we're going to talk to Jeff Eichen, who is launching a documentary called Lifers. My personally, uh, Mindy also, we've, we've all been working with Jeff to try to get some of these stories to film. Like right now, we're hearing it on the radio. But to have a movie out there and be able to show people, you know, yes, these people are in prison for life, is something that Jeff Eichen is trying to bring to the table. He's also going to bring two guests with him by the name of Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris. 
Um, if you haven't heard of them, um, you will. There are some amazing advocates down in Southern California. Um, I actually had a chance to meet them a couple times, once on the cannabis and once in Montana when my dad was at, a, at an event out there. So anyhow, um, I just want to introduce the other host of the show, feeling oh, and then after um, after after Jeff Eichen, we're going to hear from Tom Corby, who is a Human Solution Chapter Coordinator for the Northern California area, and he's going to tell us all the news that's going on in Northern California. So next, I want to introduce the other host of the show this morning, uh, Mindy Griffiths. Um, you guys may recognize her voice as she pops in and she does special announcements um, once in a while. She is also the producer of this show. Um, she also produces her or is a host of a helps host another show called KBU. It's a local A or AM or FM station out in Portland, Oregon. Um, and not only does Mindy do that, but she was, you've also heard her last week because last week I couldn't be on the show because I was in the middle of a family emergency and Mindy filled in for me. So you guys are hearing Mindy's voice this week. She's going to um, help out, take Eugene's place. And I just want everybody to know that, um, you know, what we bring to the table here just doesn't come this morning. We get together every single day just about to help coordinate this radio show. So um, thank you for listening. And this is Mindy Griffiths. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty fabulous. I right. worry well, we... about Eugene, but otherwise I'm doing pretty good. I know. I know. I'm worried about Eugene, too, but he promises me he's going to be okay soon. So uh, I hate to hear that he's hurt. Um, I know it shocked us both to find out to find that out. Well, so what um, we're going to do... I'm really excited this week. I'm just excited about our guest this week, having uh, Scott Wald on. We have heard from his um, advocate, but we haven't heard from Scott yet. So I'm really excited to talk to him and hear hear what's going on with uh, Thomas. Uh, Tomcat is his nickname, and um, when, uh, Amber's got a lot to tell us about that. I'm not excited to hear about that because it's not really that great of information. He's really being mistreated, so... Um, I'm glad that she'll be on. We've got her on the phone right now. So do you want to, should we just start her interview and find out what in the world is going on with her sweet dad? Yes, I would love to do that. Hello. Good morning, Amber. I hear your dad is Good morning. How are y'all? We're good. We're good. I'm so very excited to talk to y'all. This is an awesome radio station. (laughs) Thank you. We appreciate you listening. Thank you, thank you. Um, Amber, I, you know, I, I know what it's like to have your dad in, in prison, and I know the heartache it feels to know that your dad should never be in prison for a plant, yet being in prison suffering. Um, I know we, we've launched a few, a few flyers in the past because they weren't, they weren't helping your dad, and so we've generated phone calls to the prison um, asking them to provide him with the proper medical care, and, and the, the flyers we launched actually helped. Um, but helped. now... Yeah. But now what's going on? Like first time, um, y'all, he was in a prison that was one of the worst prisons in Oklahoma. And he was being beat multiple times and being denied care. And I actually have write-ups where they threw him in the hole for asking for medical care multiple times. They said it was excessive um, requests for medical which I don't understand when you're sick how you can ask for the doctor too many times. But y'all got him moved out of there. He was in a hell hole, and y'all did that. So that's awesome. We did that together. (laughs) 
Well, Amber, from what I understand, um, you know, and I, I, I just want to say something to you about, about, you know, them taking him and putting him in the hole. And, uh, you know, my father, he was tortured to death in a prison as well. So everything you say sounds very, very real to me. And when my father asked for medical care, they accused him of faking it. So I do believe, exactly. you know, they do torture. Yeah, they do do a lot of mental and actual physical torture and abuse to our people who cannot take care of themselves. Um, tell us what's going on now. Your your poor father is being neglected again, I understand. Okay, so he has um, brain cancer, and he has new lesions on his brain, and he went to a neurologist, and they prescribed him five new medications. Well, that was a month ago. He still hasn't got his medications filled. They've not given him not one pill that that doctor gave him. Oh, my goodness. I am not surprised to hear that. However, it's it's given me goosebumps just to just to fathom the thought of another person not getting their medicine that they should they should get. Um, have you actually spoken to your father about it? Um, and how is he, how is he holding up regarding this? So I spoke to my father about two weeks ago about this, and I started calling back to back heavy again, and then mysteriously. There's a bunk raid, and a CO finds contraband, and my father swears up and down that it wasn't his, and that they told him if I kept making trouble, then he was going to be sorry for it. So now I'm not allowed to speak to him for 90 days. Oh, my goodness. You know, it, what? it, it, it bothers me how your, your father was. Yeah, they took his phone privileges away for 90 days. They took his um, commissary away for 90 days, and they took his visits away for 90 days. It, it, you know, uh, seems like they're taking his medical away permanently or something as well. Mindy, what, um, Mindy, what, what are you thinking about all this? I'm. I'm kind of tongue-tied here. I'm I'm completely floored that this is acceptable. Um, Thomas is a perfect example of the drug war gone bad. He needed rehabilitation, and I, part of the reason why he's in so long, for people who don't know his backstory, is because of priors. And his priors were nonviolent, but they weren't all for weed. And so he was doing really well and then taking care of himself and then got busted with a joint and that's why he's in there for 20 years. Yeah, so and my dad is a career petty criminal. He's been a drug addict for 31 years now and for 31 years the state of Oklahoma has never offered him treatment not one time. They have only offered him 20-year sentences. And this last time they told him, if you don't take this 20-year sentence, we're going to give you life as an habitual offender. Not one time in 30 years has he been offered treatment. That's, he fell through the cracks. The system failed him. They failed my mother. They failed me. Anyone can say that you're an adult and you make choices, and that's fine and good, but we're supposed to protect our weak. My father is paranoid schizophrenic. And he went through so many things in his childhood that I don't even know how he's alive today. And for us to just let this man fall through the cracks and never offer a helping hand baffles me. Um, Amber, you know what? Um, 
I don't think any any schizophrenic should ever be in jail for for something, um, especially a joint for sentenced to jail prison for 29 years for a joint, especially a father, especially a man like you're talking about. And I tru- I truly feel your pain. I really feel like just sending people to jail and turning them into slaves. We could actually help them and turn them into productive people and put them back in the world. Um, Exactly. Not, I don't think people understand that our prison system is modern-day slavery, and it's for profit. People love to scream, my tax dollars pay for that prisoner, when in actuality your tax dollars pay for the CO's salaries and for their bonuses and stuff like that, because my father works every single day in that penitentiary, and he makes 30 cents a day if he doesn't have any write-ups for 90 days, and that's very rare because they can write you up for even speaking too loudly to a CO. So he pays um, for everything on his own. I pay for, I pay for his medical. Father. Whenever they, when I put money on his books, every time he goes to medical, they take money off for that. They take money off for his prescriptions, and it costs less than a dollar a day to feed them. So I don't know where those $29,000 a year per inmate is going to. Um, Amber, here's the thing. When, you, when they're in the minimum prison system, um, they're working for the government. They're making things for the government. They're making things for the top 1% of our nation. nation. Some some prisons are cutting up McDonald's french fries. So, you know, it really shocks me that your father, who has never hurt anybody in this whole entire world, I don't, I, I haven't heard of a violent crime that you've mentioned of your, of your father at all, has gotten 29 years for a joint, forced to be a slave for the next 29 years. The thing that really bothers me is, you know, my father, he died in a private prison. And what I've noticed is if you can't work, if you can't generate uh, income, if you can't go to work, you know, and do things that they want you to do, then basically you're out. You don't get no medical care because they're not – why are they going to give you medical care if they're treating you like a slave in the first place? You know, if you can't work for them, you know, they're going to let you fall below the cracks. Um, and my we dad want to help him because I asked him, why yeah. are you out in the sun working? He shouldn't be out there. He's not supposed to be in prolonged heat with three of the medications that they prescribed him that they haven't even given him yet. And he said, I, if I don't work, then I won't be able to eat. I'm only, I, I'm only can afford to put like 50 bucks a month on his commissary, and that's nothing but toothpaste and soap. So he okay, knows we that have, he doesn't get out there. We have we have a group freedom grow in fact i'm going to send a shout out to stephanie right now who's visiting her son in prison and every couple weeks in fact it's coming up in two weeks from now it's the high times event down in southern california the chalice is what it's called she gets and she sells slushies and hot cocoa and things like that and she puts the money on prisoners commissary so mindy and i'll add your dad to the list um for the next time because she reaches out to us to try to get you know try to get more plant prisoners names and stuff so We'll at least try to get your dad some help um, with commissary so he doesn't have to work so hard. And then Mindy and I, we want to put together some sort of a flyer in order to help generate another flyer because the last flyer we made for your dad helped in order to generate more more attention to your father and to be able to get people to call this prison and, and beg them to give your dad um, his medicine that he deserves. And then we want to hopefully take it to the next level too, level too. I know we've always we've been discussing off and on for a while now what would it take to free your father, but you know we really want to um, focus on that because I I don't think your father should have to die in prison. Nobody should have to go to prison or die in prison for a plant. And to me, your father's borderline. You know, with all these different brain can- with all these different cancers and this medical care, and them not giving his medical care, and he's working extra hard. You know, he's in jeopardy of of that happening. 
and I don't think that should ever happen again. So we we should really work really hard to see what we can do to help your father on a on a grand scale. Yeah, my father's one request is to not allow him to be buried in a prison cemetery. He says he's been there all his life, and he don't want to spend eternity there. So that's uh, my main goal. Okay, okay, okay. We're we're we'll work on that too. You know what I'm saying? That's that's not that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable in the United States of America. Period. No, it's not. And and there's a lot of people that pull up my dad's rap sheet and they see those 17 felonies for drugs and they don't even understand what. Hold he on, those didn't... are drug felonies. There is a drug. You know, it's not just the cannabis war. There's a whole drug war going on out there. And seriously, instead of locking people away for for petty drug crimes. You know, those people don't hurt anybody. They they do just hurt themselves. And instead of letting them hurt themselves, we can, like you said, offer them help. Your dad, like you said, should have been offered help a million times, not not never in the last 20 years. That's unacceptable, too. Yes, That's ma'am, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. This is an awesome program to bring people together. I mean, I've met so many awesome people, Lance Glore's mother, Chris Martin's wife. I mean, there's just so many awesome people that you meet in this community of marijuana activists. I'm just so blessed to be a part of it. For sure, for sure, Amber. We still have, you know, we have about another five to ten minutes left on this interview. So if if there's anything else you want to cover regarding your father, just go for it. So um, also, you know, I went through the... Same thing with my husband. Like you said, it's not just a a war on drugs for marijuana. It's um, a war on drugs on our poor community, period. My husband was 17 years old whenever he got a felony, a petty drug felony, and was given 15 years. And now, 10 years later, we're still paying a probation officer and probation fees. This is a system and a cycle that has got to be broken down for the future generations of our children so that they're not kidnapping our kids for 20 and 30 years when they make a mistake. Definitely agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Um, Mindy, is there anything that you want to add to this? I just, I, 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 Amber's dad's dad and well, and her husband, her family and his situation is a perfect perfect example of what this war has done to us and what what really um, concerns me is this is such a huge profit in our country and it goes into layers that people don't even understand all the way down to call centers for um, car rental companies and airline tickets to um, like you said, yeah the government has known this for centuries Ben Franklin Thomas Jefferson Thomas Edison were huge proponents of hemp, hemp oil, hemp seed, and marijuana. But pharmaceutical companies and prohibition bureaucrats who were looking at unemployment after prohibition ended marked hemp marijuana as the new evil. They made crazy movies and convinced us all that it's a dangerous drug. We really haven't gotten any smarter in the last 75 years, it seems like. My concern and what I kind of predict is so – they're going to have to start letting these uh, marijuana prisoners out. And there certainly, you know, it is getting less people going in, even though we're not making the laws retroactive. That's something that we have to do is make them retroactive because regardless of our pot is legal right now, I'm smoking a joint while I'm talking to you. There's still people sitting in jail for it. Me too. 
I'm smoking a joint yeah, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm jointless this morning, so I'm jealous. That's all oh. I have to say about that. But um, I predict that they're going to pick another group of human beings to wage war on. It, the war, the war on drugs is they're they're, fa- they're going to fail and they're going to lose, and we will win. And my personal prediction is it's going to be immigrants that they can put people for immigration violations in American prisons and make them slaves and they won't even be enslaving our own people. And then maybe Americans will care less because it's not themselves. I'm not sure exactly, but that's my own personal prediction is that the amount of money they make off of this drug war, it can't, they can't just, they're going to shift it. Oh God, you just gave me goosebumps. That's exactly what they're going to do. And so which, you know, in my own little mind makes me think, well, geez, you know, once this war is over, there's there's no way they're not going to be oppressing another group of people. So who are the next group of people going to be that we all need to save from our silly, very um, well-built prison system that funds this country in ways that nobody knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. If you just invest in prison soap, that's a come up. Like me and my husband were... Um, researching investments, and our investment guy, like, highly recommended investing in prison uh, commissary. Really, like, really? Like, people invest in keeping people down? Yes, they do, and you can Uh make a lot of money off of it. Amber, um, did you know that I have a lawsuit? Me and my mother are are suing the private prison, the CCA. It's it's one of the biggest private prisons in the nation uh, for the death of my father. And we're in the really? Process. No, we I did the, not know that. Yes. I would love some information we just, on that. We just got depositions back from the the um, the nurse that was in my dad's care, the warden that was in my dad's care, and two of the doctors that were in my dad's care. And I'm telling you, it's amazing their reactions to some of the questions my dad my dad's attorneys asked them. It's just absolutely. Insane. Yeah, they treat them like they're they, animals. They, like, why are you even talk, wondering yeah. if, yeah, like, why, why are you mentality. even asking me this? Yeah. This shouldn't even be an issue. He was an inmate, so he's dead. That's it. That's how they feel, and it's not right. We are all humans. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. And most of these mistakes are due to bad laws. Yes, definitely. And um, did your did your dad, um, I, I heard you earlier, something that sounded really disturbing to me. You said something about your dad getting beat up or getting in a fight? Okay, so whenever my dad was moved to um, Lawton GEO facility, he um, called me crying the next day. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, they have me in the cell with this guy, and he told me the guy's name, and I knew who he was talking about. He's a guy that we grew up with around the neighborhood, a big man in prison now, but about 10 years prior, he had split my dad's head open in the county. He took a pipe off the back of the sink and split his head open, and he had to get like 145 stitches. Oh, my God. Well, 10 years later, they put him in the same facility in Lawton GEO, and they're not supposed to. He's a known enemy of my dad. He's on his enemy watch list. So I call and let them know, and they're like, um, we're going to put him in the hole. And I'm like, okay, but one of them has to be transferred out of the facility, and it probably needs to be my dad because this guy has a lot of pool in Lawton GEO. So they're like, we're going to watch him. We'll have him in um, 
SAG, he'll be protected. Well, two days later, my dad was held down by three of the men in that guy's group. He was beat. He was raped. All of his teeth were knocked out. It was horrible. And then he he gets a write-up for telling me that he was raped before calling the rape hotline. One. Two, I call and say, so now y'all don't let my dad get hurt. He can't even eat. So what are y'all going to feed him tonight? Are y'all going to get him to a dentist to get him some dentures? They informed me that Oklahoma DOC no longer pays for dentures and that they'll put him on a puree diet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is he still, is he still on that diet? No. he's they When he moved to the new uh, facility, a new doctor would have to write the order for him, and I asked him if he wanted it, and he said no. He'd rather just chew on the food he can get now. He still has no teeth. Oh. All for a joint because of a joint? Yeah, the last last bid that he's doing right now is literally for a joint. That's it. (laughs) And then I have, like, on his page, like, I've I've, uh, taken pictures of the – uh, the depositions from court and stuff, where he's filed appeals and stuff and um, sentence modifications where the state of Oklahoma recognizes that they gave him too much time, but he didn't file it properly or in a timely manner. Um, Amber, I just want to tell you, you're doing a good job advocating for your dad. I know it's really hard to talk about this stuff and to have to think in your head that this is actually going on and that you can't do much about it, but you know, as as another a daughter of another of a, of a killed prisoner in prison, I think you're doing so good, and I commend your strength. I mean, the, the strength just to get through one day of knowing what's going on with your dad for me was just insane and you know, unreal. It was and you know, it was that we met, right? I was on Facebook and I was losing faith, and I didn't know yes, what to do. Yes. And and somebody yes. gave me your name, and I read your story, and I'm gonna start crying now. <laughs> and it was it was like on purpose that we met, you know. Amber, you you are doing it. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. Thank you, and I'm 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 glad I can inspire you. But you're doing. I'm just telling you, your dad is probably you're the bestest friend. You're like an angel to him, and there's nobody <laughs> in this world that can do a job at helping him than you can. You know, when I was when my dad was going through all that, there was no radio show. There was no. I didn't know anybody in the in the movement or anything like that. So. My, this is what is, I'm so passionate about this show for is so that people that are in my position have a place to be able to go to talk about it so other people can hear so that it can end. So, you know, we, we're, we're going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to, Mindy's going to help you. We're going to try to do our best to help your dad because I, I can't, I can't stomach it either. And you're not alone. You're not alone. There, there are so many people that care about you and your dad. Oh, I want to mention one more thing because there's so many people that pull up my my dad's rap sheet. In uh, 1987, the the only charge that's not for drugs is for running from the cops, and he was having a paranoid schizophrenic episode. Hey, I don't blame him. People that want to say that about him, that's it. <laughs> you know what, Amber? I, I don't blame him for running from the cops. They're dangerous. You never have dangerous. to explain. You don't have to explain <laughs> his rap sheet to us. You know when I, I when I first met you, that was you know it, I could hear it in just the typing that you were like, oh, you're not going to want to hear the story because my dad's got a bad rap sheet. 
you know, you know, and your dad is you the know, perfect example of what happens and how hard it is to get out of the system and how they keep you down on purpose and they want to make you a commodity. They did this to him. His rap sheet is a reflection of the drug war, not the reflection of him. Exactly. They just got a free year of labor out of my husband that works 80 hours a week, pays taxes, hasn't been in trouble since he was 17 years old. But because we fall behind on probation fees, they got a whole year of free labor out of him. Um, you know what, Amber? We are not judges. We will not judge judge you. All we know is that nobody should go to jail for a plant. We don't care what you've done. You shouldn't go to jail for a plant. And we, you know, another thing too, I just want to let you know at any second right now, any not any time between now and the next five minutes, um, we could get a phone call from a prisoner by the name of Craig Cecil. Who's oh yeah, in yeah, yeah. Listening, yeah. Go to him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm just saying he'll when he calls in, it'll be an interruption, and then our our interview will be abruptly over. So. I just want to let yes, everybody ma'am. know so we didn't interrupt you. But he calls right from prison, so um, we get him right That's on awesome. the call. And hopefully and when my dad gets off restrictions, maybe we could do that for him. Like, that would just yes. like his <laughs> Oh, we would love to. And I would, I would, your dad your is dad a hero. Like, think, that, that there is a risk when they call in from prison of going to the hole. And I don't know if your dad wants sure, to Thomas that. Sure, Thomas will but. be all game for that because he's going to the hole every other month for nothing anyway. <laughs> he gets, gets, gets good reason to go to the hole. Well, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I printed off his free Thomas Landry's Facebook a couple pages for him to see that, you know, all the people that were supporting him, and they won't let him get it. Wow. I believe it. I believe it. They want to. They want to um, stop his voice. They don't want it to be heard. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause after the first time, I thought it just didn't come. But after I sent them twice, no, they're not letting them get it. It's crazy, you guys. I'm I'm on Facebook right now, and I got Jeremy Lee Duvall, who just got out of prison for the plant, and his dad is in prison for a plant. And his dad is really sick, and on lockdown right now. And he just sent me a message. He was on our show a couple weeks ago, and said, "Kristen, I just got your message. My dad is doing okay." He is out of the shoe, but apparently they haven't been giving his letters. Um, he said we are going to have to visit him in August and September to get his visits back. So he doesn't. He still don't have visits, um, and he's having issues with his counselor. But yeah, that's a update. While we're talking about people and their parents in prison, Jeremy Lee Duvall's dad um, just got out of lockdown, and he's he's um, got a lot of medical issues too that they're denying him. Oh, you guys, Craig is calling in right now. Do you guys just want to talk for a second while I answer that? Um, hold on just yes. a sec. Yes. That's awesome Amber, that I, his dad is out and that just, I mean, just to know that that's still going on and it's not just my dad. This has got to stop. It's it's a movement. we got to stop it for everybody. Absolutely. And um, before Craig comes on, I just want to thank you again for being so brave and coming on and telling us the real story, the real nitty-gritty of what happens to people. Um, and and you're very brave. And Good morning, Craig. Um, just keep keep fighting. You've always got us. Um, Thank we're you. Here. We got, got Minnie hosting the show, and then we got Amber Taylor on the show. Her father is being very very neglected and abused in the prison that he is in um, for twenty nine for the next twenty nine years. And um, Eugene Eugene uh, fell and he hurt himself pretty bad. He's in the hospital. He'll be back next week, um, but. How are you doing this morning um, in prison? 
Well, better than, than those two, apparently. Uh, I'm healthy. It's hot here, and <laughs> it's very hot inside the prison, but otherwise things are about as well as can be expected. <laughs> wow. What does that mean, well as can be expected? Well, prison is prison because we're limited in so much. Like right now I'm looking through a set of bars that are in the window. Straight in front of me is a guard tower. And right below the guard tower is two rows of fences with razor wire, I don't know, just tons of rolls of razor wire between the fences and on top of the fences. And that's just not the view you want out your window. <laughs> well, um, we were just talking to Amber about how her dad has to work for the government and how he only makes, um, I think he said, I think she said $30 a month or I think it was $0.09 cents an hour or something like that. And then you come on and you tell us about these, 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 um, the way the way that's set up there, the guard tower and all this crazy stuff, and it kind of sounds like something that is inhumane that's going on. Well, yes, and it's uh, Bureau of Prisons policy that everybody must work unless there's a, um, you know, a really strong medical reason that there's no job they can do. Um, they're required to work, and you're you're punished pretty severely if you refuse to work. So, inmates, you know, maintain the prison. You know, uh, the electric, the plumbing, the, you know, the painting, things like that. They prepare the food. They, you know, do the jobs like taking out the garbage and all that. And in some of the prisons now, I, I believe it's a minority of them, but in some of the prisons like here, there's a factory called Unicor. And uh, Unicor, or Federal Prison Industries, is a company that uses inmate labor at anywhere from 23 cents to a dollar fifteen an hour, um, being from grade five to grade one pay, but it uses uh, inmates paid those wages to make materials for the army, the navy, for the other prisons, for prisons generally, for the Salvation Army, for like a project I'm working on right now is making uh, disaster blankets for the Lighthouse for the Blind. But uh, they they have inmates in the factory, you know. Uh, uh, making these things, and that's unfortunately, if you re- if you have to work in the prison, that's the kind of job you want. But many of the prisons are closing down the unicorns. They're closing down the prison factories because they're so ineffectively run that even paying inmates, you know, on average about forty six cents an hour, um, they can't compete with the companies out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh. <laughs> so Craig, I got a question. I okay. So you said that you're making blankets for the White House. For the Lighthouse for the Blind. It's, oh, okay. Uh, a nonprofit organization. I I know they have some ties to government money and all that. I don't know all the structure beyond that. Okay. But it's probably okay. some government, some sort of government grant of some sort. Okay. Okay. But otherwise. We make a lot of things for the Army. Uh, another thing that I was working on uh, last week was making, it's out of like a leatherette material, but we make the uh, gun cleaning kits for the Army. You know, so I mean, we, we make a variety of things for, for the military and for the different government agencies. Wow. Wow. So what has your week been like um, this week? Well, the good news is, we only had baloney one day this week. 
<laughs> it was a regularly scheduled meal. <laughs> oh, you had to eat that shit? To, oh, man. You had to at least eat one day. One day is too many days as far as I'm concerned. I oh, have yeah, a question for you, Craig. Bologna that they find. <laughs> I don't know that I it have has a any real to it. Certainly. I don't think so either. I think it's rubber, you know, kind of like the kind they put in toy kitchen sets or something. But so I've been watching uh, Orange is the New Black, and it's uh, this season's all been about um, about private prisons. And one of the things I've been wondering about is the way that they um, show correction officer relationships with the inmates. And they make those corrections officers in this show look like a bunch of fools. And I'm curious, I've heard everything from positive relationships with corrections officers to negative, and I'm curious as to how you feel about your relationship with the correction officers where you're at. Well, of course, there's a mixture. There's some officers that really see it as their mission to punish inmates. So they go out of their way just to do everything, the you know, make life for the inmates as miserable as possible. They, like we had one yesterday morning that just, um, I don't know, he he just decided he could, so he locked uh, about, about 150 of us in, in the mess hall. And here, remember, there, there's no ventilation and no air conditioning, and the, the mess hall was probably around 100 degrees and very humid. So there we were stuck for about an hour with nothing to do in just that hot room. Just because he could. Why? So like, why did you say why he did it? Or just wanted to? Some of them just do it because they can. They, you know, this is their little exertion of power. They they can feel as though they have power over somebody because, you know, they've got a big ring of keys. Oh, but my God. <laughs> there's a lot of that, actually, you know, uh, among certain officers. But, again, there's, there's some other officers that, that have redeeming qualities that will treat inmates, you know, as people, and they do act correctly. So th- so there's the gamut in between. You know, I, I see it even where I work. There's a bunch of different supervisors uh, in the factory, and some of them address you, you know, um, properly in that. And uh, I mean, just life's easier for them and life's easier for us. But there's others that, you know. This call is from a federal prison. They'll see you coming and they'll lock the corridor door, so now you've got to go all the way around. You know, I mean, and you know that there's just officers that just see see it in their, their mission to, you know, to punish people. The joke amongst the inmates always is, is that the people that go through grade school getting their lunch money or their milk money stolen every morning, those are the people that end up being prison guards because they can get revenge on everybody that stole their lunch money. <laughs> wow. But, but again, yeah. you know, the, the, the odd part is, is from what I've found, and this is universal, you know, through my, I'm in my 15th year now in the Bureau of Prisons, is I find that the ones that antagonize inmates the most are the most likely to get promoted. Those are the most likely to become lieutenants and captains and associate boards. Oh, they're the ones who should be fired. Out. They should be fired. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of those go out of their ways to, you know, uh, ignore inmate, you know, needs uh, and things of that sort. Like one thing that the BOP took up a few years ago 
is certain things inmates have rights to. They have a right to meet with their attorneys. They have rights to talk to their attorneys on the phone. They have rights to contact the media. They have, you know, a bunch of things that the courts have recommended to be rights. And they've also uh, decided that the BOP's failure to allow inmates, uh, you know, to correspond with their attorneys and all that could subject them to uh, legal, uh, you know, liability. So what the BOP has taken up doing is if you make requests for these kinds of things, they just never answer the request. So it can't be said that they denied you wrongly. They, they just never answer the request. Wow. And as you, re- as you remember from, well, it's about a year and a half ago now, when uh, the congresswoman put in a, a request in, uh, from Washington State, and uh, I put in my request to be escorted to my son's funeral, what, what the decision of the staff member above me and the associate warden was is we're just not going to process your application. And they just refused to process it. No, I don't remember that specifically. I just remember I thought they denied you. Um, that, is, that is retarded. That is wrong. You know, like right. you can't get nothing done there. It's, it's, it's true. Like you can't possibly function. Like another thing I, I've heard just recently is uh, some people tried to, you know, make a protest from the street, you know, by the fact that we had no dental services here for about six months. And they tried to call here and uh, email here and all that. And they, they've told me that the phones just ring and ring and ring. They just don't even answer the phones. And I've heard that. that, that yeah, we did that, to, did that to us, too. We, we, they did that to us, and we tried to call. So I, we resorted to using the email. We just right. bombed their email then after that. Because the government, I believe there's rules that they have to at least hold on to the emails. What that means to me, I'm not really sure. But well, there's always a way to get around them. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you're right. Uh, you know, they are, of course, for... Freedom of information purposes and all that They're supposed to retain all that But I would be surprised if they If they answered you in a You know in a normal fashion I I would imagine Did, did they just ignore your emails Or I mean did they Actually, not answer I, them I got Some sort of a, a Response that I'm pretty sure is just An automated you know Response that the system sends out Saying we received your your email, and we'll look at it, and you know, kiss off kind of email. <laughs> but I, I, I really think it was just a system-generated email that everybody gets. I mean, I could have told them that Mickey Mouse, you know, was was president, and I'd probably have gotten the same email. Well, <laughs> but the the sad part about all of it is, is I think the. The BOP in, in too many situations tends to criminalize more people than it than it rehabilitates. Definitely. And the reason I the reason I say that is virtually everybody uh, in the prison, uh, a vast majority of them are repeat offenders. But uh, what they teach here is effectively uh, really everything that you would not want somebody that's to be rehabilitated to learn. They actually teach violence. They, they teach that, you know, there's certain situations where you have to, 
you know, use force on other inmates and things like that. That's an actual policy. This call is from a federal prison. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they, they, that's part of their even group punishment. You get punished for not getting in a fight with another inmate or, or stuff like that. If, if they see another inmate was doing wrongdoing and wouldn't stop it, and you didn't engage in a fight with them, they will punish you. I mean, this is what the BOP teaches, and unfortunately, these, too many of these people take that to the street because they they learn to live through violence, and you know, and that that's what they take back to the street with them. And there's no doubt that they are violent, and that they come right back to prison. Wow. I think I think the biggest problem with the Bureau of Prisons, and I don't know about the state systems, but I can tell you at least the federal Bureau of Prisons is that there's no oversight whatsoever. There's nobody, no group, no people that come in, you know, that can just come in and snap inspect a prison to see what are they feeding the inmates, what kind of medical are they providing them, is is the water, you know, acceptable, is, you know, are the conditions humane, you know, is there ventilation, is there, you know, is there bathroom facilities, is there shower facilities, is, you know, is there enough of these things. Nobody monitors that. The BOP monitors it, it, it themselves, and you know, they they give themselves an A in every regard. <laughs> but I think that that there needs to be oversight. Both of our of our, our criminal justice system, you know, our defense attorneys doing what is actually expected of a defense attorney. And secondly, is the Bureau of Prisons actually providing the American public? Uh, what they're paying plenty of money for, you know, to rehabilitate people, or are they just punishing and torturing people, you know, that they actually create more criminals than they rehabilitate. But thank you. You're helping to put a light on us so that people know what's happening in here, and hopefully we can get some oversight, because you're part of that. For sure, for sure, Craig. Um, I just um, I heard the beep, so I know that they're going to get you off the phone here in a second. But please know that um, we are trying to free you every day and that we uh, appreciate every sacrifice you have made to the war on cannabis. Okay, I think Craig Cecil is gone. For our listeners, Craig Cecil um, is, he said, on his 15th year, I thought it was his 13th year, um, in prison for cannabis. Um, he's serving a life sentence. Out of uh, his life sentence, he's lost a son um, that he didn't get to say goodbye to. He has also um, suffered the the huge, but the the highest consequence ever, and missed out on his whole entire family. Um, so, you guys, I we've got a little um, technical difficulties going on right now. Not necessarily technical difficulties, but scheduling difficulties going on. Usually about this time, George Monterano calls in for a 15-minute segment, but um, we haven't confirmed with him this week because Eugene has been sick, and Eugene is the contact to George. So what we're going to do is we have a defendant on the line from Northern California we're going to talk to. We don't have a lot of time. We have about five to ten minutes. We're going to get him on, but first I just want to let everybody know, um, we I, have, I do have a couple updates. One, Stephanie Landa, who is, uh, I mentioned earlier, I mentioned that she raises commissary. If you would like to put money on prisoners' commissary's books, you can go to her nonprofit uh, organization, 
at freedomgrow.org. You can make a donation. Stephanie then takes those donations and puts it direct, applies it directly to cannabis prisoners' commissary funds. So if you want to do that, um, we will um, definitely support uh, Stephanie Landa and everything that she does. She is an ex-POW herself, and you can visit her at the High Times Cup. Um, it's the Chalice High Times Cup, and you can help prisoners there by buying a slushie or a hot cocoa. Um, also, I want to uh, bring some attention to my dad's business partner, Chris Williams, um, who is in the SeaTac uh, Federal Bureau of Prisons. We actually have two, two plant prisoners there um, that went to trial and fought for their rights. First is Chris Williams, which was my dad's partner, and the other one is Lance Glore, who was also a victim of the 2011 raids. Um, that the federal government did on, on medical dispensaries. Um, Lance just recently went to trial, and they took him, and they took him to the SeaTac Federal Bureau of Prisons, where Chris is at. Well, Chris got in a fight, um, has been on lockdown ever since. He was actually even tasered by the taser gun and all that. And, you know, Chris, Chris lives with a lot, of, a lot of bad people in prison, and he doesn't, let, he doesn't get along with, you know, the roommates and the, the, those types of things. And so... You know, he's paying the ultimate price for defending his honor. Um, Lance, they were supposed to move him, but they haven't quite moved him yet. And I was talking with his mother this morning, and it doesn't look like he's going to be moved out of there until September. Um, right now we're in Ju- July. So um, if you guys want to write those two local, I mean, they're local to Washington, and I'm from Washington. So if you guys, if you're from Washington, please send our plant prisoners uh, a card. They, 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 You know, they're there for us. So um, next... Um, we've got, um, we're going to bring on Aaron O'Neill. Aaron, you are a defendant, um, from Northern California. And what's been going on with your case? Yes. Hello. Hi. Nice to, uh, be here today to see you. Um, before I talk about my case, I'd just like to give a, like to say that we stand on the shoulders of giants, um, in the cannabis industry, the people that are doing well, we owe it to people like Molly Fry and Dale Schaefer, who also did five years in federal prison. And um, I'd just like to say that um, my case, um, I stood on the shoulders of giants and the people that have worked hard to uh, bring this plant um, out from the dark and, and out of prohibition. So um, mm-hmm. I'd like to say that. Also, I'm here with my attorney, Joseph yeah. Tolley, as well, who represented me. Good morning. Good morning, anyway, Joseph. Um, we love you, attorneys. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I say good morning, Joseph. We love we love the good attorneys that, that um, represent our plant prisoners. Uh, thank you very much. And yeah, no, I'm I'm incredibly thankful to be here as well. And um, you know, I I my hat goes off to all the the brave people facing charges who choose to go to trial, like Aaron O'Neill, and um, and call these people on um, their illegal activities. Right. You mentioned a trial, and I don't ever want to go, you know, five seconds without, if we hear trial on the show, I always like to throw a jury nullification in there, because when we have our plant prisoners facing trial, they're looking at just one of those jurors, one out of 11 or 10 or whatever the jury amounts. So I, I was on a, I was watched a case where there's only six jurors on the case, but um, they're waiting for one, just one to say not guilty and to judge if the law is bad or not, not just if it was broken by the defendant. So... Um, if you are listening, you have that power. Um, so you guys, you're going to trial soon. Um, what's that looking like, and when is it looking like you're going to be facing facing a trial? Well, we actually did go to trial, and we actually won. And um, we did do a jury nullification what? campaign. What was your, when I'm was sorry? your trial? 
My when trial was, was uh, late February, early March. It was a 396 plant, uh, mainly CBD garden in El Dorado County. Wow. And, um, okay. We we defended 215 uh, as it was intended to be defended with patients and sick patients. We went into their court. Uh, we didn't run a jury nullification. We defended it um, as it was to be defended, and Joseph Tully did an awesome job, and we won the case in three and a half hours, unanimous not guilty verdict. Wow, that is huge. Congratulations. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> like I said, that I sat on the shoulders crazy. of giants. You know, I, you know, I read the law. I, did, I set my collective up according to the law, and I got the best attorney that I could find in California and Joseph Tully. So there was a lot of people that uh, helped me and, and worked on this, so I don't deserve all the credit at all. <clears throat> yeah, Tom Corby comes on our show every, every week and brags about Joseph Tully. We, we hear Joseph Tully's name on our radio show a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Joseph Tully is uh, one of the top attorneys that runs off my tongue, and I've never met him, and I don't even live in the same state. So <laughs> I agree. You definitely got a winner there. Maybe Joseph can speak a little bit about the case. He's those, he's more familiar about the law and things like that. So that would um, be wonderful. You know, I just want to say that when you go to court, when you go to trial, the the judge is the same as the DA. You have to treat them like that, and they're going to try to stop you every step of the way. They're going to try to you know stop you from talking in voir dire. They're going to try to stop you in pretrial motions. They're going to try to limit your ability to put on a defense. You know, a bully wants to make sure that the that the person they're picking on is is absolutely uh, has no tools at their disposal to defend themselves. Um, and you just have to have an attitude. I I can win this case. I will win this case, and I will not let you stop me. And I think Aaron and I together as a team uh, were able to do that in El Dorado County. And um, it, it was a large grow, 396 plants. And yeah, um, the law. The law is out there, and these cases can be won, at least in California, on 215 and Senate Bill 420. Um, the law is favorable. And while judges will try to shut you down on jury nullification, you can backdoor that concept in there. And when you're picking a jury, very closely, because some of them will give you clues um, where they're coming from in terms of nullification. And... Um, you want to make sure that the, the jurors that are out there that are friendly um, have the support that they need uh, to vote the way that they want to. Um, I just was witnessed a federal trial out here in Washington for medical cannabis. I don't know if you are aware of the 2011 raids um, that the federal government did against cannabis in, two, in 2011, but um, Lance Gore was one of the victims, and he finally, his case just finally went to trial just recently. It's the first case that the federal government ever allowed state laws in there, and he got found not guilty on a gun charge and a conspiracy to money laundry charge. But the two cannabis charges, uh, it's almost as though they tricked them into saying, okay, a certain amount, um, are they guilty of or not? And so they, I feel like the jurors felt like they were kind of forced in that way. And um, what would you say, um, do you work as a federal attorney, and what would you say, um, like, the chances are us maybe overturning federal laws using jury nullification? Do you think that would ever um, be possible? I, I think jury nullification in, in federal law is a good thing. It's one of the only defenses. Um, I think that 
I, I, I do do federal work. I do more state work, um, but I do do federal work as well. I think somebody like uh, Attorney Heather Burke is an amazing person. I think she laid the foundation for going to court and saying, Judge, why is this a Schedule One drug? Um, there has to be a reasonable, rational relationship to every law in this country. And right now, it's the cannabis plant being on the Schedule One for federal sentencing is the equivalent of saying night is day and day is night and up is down and left is right. It's completely contrary to reality. And because it's not rationally related, um, it's not a reasonable law, um, we, we need to change that law. But I don't have a lot of faith in government, government officials right now. And um, I, I think every day that, that passes that the, that the federal law isn't changed and completely uh, redone from top to bottom, I think every, every single day that that happens, it's a crime. Um, our representatives are letting us down, and we need to kind of reclaim this American concept that we don't have rulers. We have us. We are the government. And if our government isn't doing uh, the people right, then the people have the ability and the duty. I was just reading the Declaration of Independence with uh, Aaron O'Neill here a little while ago. We have the duty to take these people out of office kicking, screaming if they have to. I mean, I believe in a peaceful way. Um, but we can we can change the law. We write the law. We can change it. And if the law doesn't reflect us, we don't need to sit back and say the government needs to fix it. We need to fix it. And the people that stand in our way, we need to make them move out of our way so we can fix it. Um, we only have a couple minutes left, but I want to ask um, Aaron a question real quick. Aaron, how much time were you facing? Seven years. Seven years. Okay, seven years. So seven during years, they never came off seven years, and they stayed on the seven years the whole time. And I think that was so the deal that they offered him. He might have been facing more. I would need to go through the paperwork. But usually when they offer a plea agreement, it's so, you know it's a lot less than your maximum. So he's probably facing right. a lot more. Yeah, because once you go to trial, you're looking at um, even more time because you went to trial. Um, but I just want to make a good point that we have over 50 – um, almost 100 people that we know of serving life sentences for cannabis, and most of them went to trial. And a lot of them went to trial decades ago where nobody knew anything about, about jury nullification. And now, you know, it's starting to get more known out there. Not only did it save uh, and help in slavery, but also helped in alcohol prohibition. And we can use it for this, and we should, we should be um, doing as much, as much um, educating and groundwork laid down that we can. In fact, we did a radio show a couple weeks ago, just all about jury nullification. But um, I want to thank you guys both for coming on our show. Um, we always, always look at attorneys that are doing it right for the plant um, and for our people as goddesses in us in our in our community. Because there's not very many of you out there, Mr. Joseph Tully. That is amazing that you that you um, pulled a case, a jury nullification case like that, together on a trial and won for one of our people. That's that's beautiful. And I always want to commend the defendants, you know, to go to trial because, you know, you're risking so much more. You're risking so much more prison time. And just to change the law to help other people, you know, is, is very commendable to, to fight that fight because the chances are completely against you guys. But, I mean, is there anything that you guys want our listeners to know? I would like to just, just uh, on a lighter note, tell a quick story about uh, an interaction that Joseph Tully had 
with the district attorney at ADA that we were fighting um, uh, Worth Dykeman, we call him Worthless Dickman. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> but real quick, Dory, yes, yes. uh, he said uh, at one point the DA had initiated a conversation uh, with me, which he wasn't supposed to do, and, um, and, and there was a situation where some evidence was trying to be, they were arguing a point, and uh, he called my attorney a, a name, and it was very unprofessional. <laughs> my attorney walked over, Joseph Tully walked over to uh, Worthless Dickman and told him, I'm going to have you incarcerated for the behavior and the actions that you are showing here in this court. And that's the kind of attorney he is. And he said it very forcefully. Wow. Wow. <laughs> in open court. Wow. <laughs> awesome. That is cool. That's cool because they shouldn't be getting away with that. And yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to probably say the same thing to a judge tomorrow morning um, in Pleasanton on a case uh, with Davenport Collective. The judge on Friday um, misstated the law and started ruling on the DA's motions without hearing from the other side. So I, I, uh, I'm a firm believer in just saying the truth out there. You could be a peaceful person, but that doesn't mean that you don't confront uh, something when you see it's, that it's wrong. Right, for sure. And Joseph, I want to invite you, if you ever want to have any defendants um, that you are representing in a plant case, if you ever want to come onto our show, um, we do have an amazing show. Um, we, we have a lot of, every show is very, very good. So if you ever want to um, use us as a platform to get your voice heard, um, we, are, we are victims of this uh, cannabis war. You are welcome to come onto our show anytime you want. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And again, uh, on behalf of both Aaron and I, thank you for having us and um, keep up the fight, everybody. We will win this. We can and we should win this, and we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, you guys. Those were some, um, that was just a fresh, a breath air, a, a breath of, wait, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm saying, but. That sounds really good to hear from a defendant and an attorney in one in one call. Wow. All right, well, next we're going to hear from Scott Walt. And Scott Walt has uh, been in prison. In fact, I watched a video of him when he was first released, and I shared it. You guys can go check it out on my Facebook wall. I also shared it to the Voice of the Cannabis War page. And it's a video of him uh, just a few minutes, I think within an hour or two after he was released. And he was he looked so happy, and he was, he was bragging about his freedom after being incarcerated after 21 years, and he had it down to three months, um, and he's free. And it just looked like that the, the video is so cool just to see its freedom right before your eyes. Um, we're going to talk to Scott Walt right now and find out what today. Good morning, Scott. My name is Kristen Flora, and you're here with me, and you're here with Mindy Griffiths. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Good morning Scott. Mindy. Good morning. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear your voice. <laughs> I know, and you're not calling from a prison. We we get people that call in here from prison. <laughs> and it's cool yeah, that you're free to get to call in. That's a fact. Uh, the air is a lot sweeter <laughs> out here. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. I imagine uh, that it smells some, similar to a teenage boy's locker room in prison. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> true, but that's yeah, that's what I have in my imagination. Yeah, ass and teeth. Ugh. Yuck. <laughs> so, Scott, how long have you, how long have you been free? How, it's been a couple months. Uh, June 20th. I mean, oh, shoot. Uh, January 20th I got out. Okay, so, so about six months. 
couch out six months. We'll say six months. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. What what in the world has, has what has that been like? Well, I mean, I've been so focused on just uh catching up that I haven't really paid too much attention. Um I noticed it's a lot crowded. A lot more crowded where I live. Uh I grew up on the coast of Southern California about thirty five miles north of San Diego. So it was a sleepy little surf town. Now it's like Laguna Beach in 1980. So uh, a lot of people, freeways are packed, and then the technology I'm catching up on too because there was none so really you, when I left. So did you learn to work a cell okay. phone yet? Have you learned uh, to work a, a cell phone yet? Oh, Have you learned to work a cell phone yet? Completely. I'm talking to you on a 6 right now, iPhone 6. Um, and computer and the computers and everything. I've created a website for the art. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty efficient. I'm getting better every day. So uh, you I think he emailed me from that smartphone. So yeah, I think he, he's got that down. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Do you like technology? Do you like the technology? That's, oh God, that's out now? yes, my new drug. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm a sponge. I'm just absorbing. You know, it's just fascinating. Anything my mind can think up, I can answer to in uh, seconds. So research is simple. I don't have to go through the books. Although I like the smell of the books, the pages of books, but uh, this is very quick. You know, uh, there right. are times. There are times when it doesn't want to do what I want it to do, or I may my finger may touch the screen and it sends me off uh, going south somewhere. Uh, that's a little frustrating, but I'm learning to keep my big mitts uh, back a little, what, a little bit. All right, that happens to well, all of us. Our... I don't think you have to go to prison to to have that problem. I hit the delete button trying to write a Corelinks message. Like every other time, it drives me bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, we've got some major questions um, that we want to know answers to. Um, we have been following your case for a while. You've had an amazing advocate come onto our show while you were in prison to advocate um, for for your GoFundMe to get to get help um, for your for you. So you had uh, resources when you got out and to tell your story. Yeah. And she did such a good job. Um, I just I'm so I'm so proud that we we're able to have one of our heroes right on our show today. Uh, Mindy, um, Mindy's got some questions here. Mindy, do you want to start asking a couple, or do you want me to jump in and ask one, or what do you want to? Well, the, um, big, before we the start biggest one that I have. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Christian. I was going to say, before we start asking you a question, let's just get out there. You you served 24 and a half years from conspiracy to intent to possess and, and intent to distribute um, marijuana? Yeah. Uh, yeah, constructive possession. I was pretty much retired when it had happened, but as long as one guy in the conspiracy is continuing, uh, the whole conspiracy continues, whether it's a day or 10 years later. Um, the guy uh, had got busted the night before, Jurgen Sode. Um, he was one of my uh, deliverers, and uh, he had got busted the night before, and so he said, do you want someone else, someone bigger? So they didn't really know us. Um, so he called to borrow money, and the DEA was all around the house. When I uh, went over there to loan him money, I just got done surfing. It was uh, about 10.30, October 4th, 1994, 
uh, in the morning, and I'd stop by there, um, loaned him the money, and eventually I got uh, found guilty of, I went to trial, got found guilty of constructive possession. So I don't have to see the weed. I don't have to touch the weed. I don't have to know where it is. I control him, they said. So he got one year, and I got 292 months. I did uh, oh my God. years. Yeah, pretty so I always, I always have to say, if one of those jurors would have found you not guilty, you would have done no time at all. Yeah, but they're just, you know, they're deer in the headlights. They figure if you're in that venue, in that arena, that you've got to be guilty. And the way the prosecutions line up their cases, you're pretty much hit, you know. I mean, it's it's very hard to get a jury back then at least, and especially where I grew up uh, in San Diego, which the majority of jurors are either related to military or police. Um, or wow. wow. So, so it's pretty tough. Uh, you're um, you see it. I want to commend you for going to trial. That that's heroic, and that's why that's why we look up to you like a hero. That's that's one of the major oh. reasons why. And you did serve all that time, and you risked it all. And um, I well, commend, yeah. I commend you for fighting that out in court. I definitely look up to you for that. Well, I just my kids grow up knowing their dad's not a rat, you know, and I can I didn't put anyone away. I love it. I, um, love I, it. I, I took my lumps whatever they were, and when I got out, no bridges have ever been burnt in my life, and I wasn't about to start there, you know. Uh, that's why I had the support system I did when I got out, and that's why I've been able to assimilate so easily uh, into the free world after so long. Yeah, on yeah, our show, that, we definitely advocate for, for not snitching. Oh, yeah. That, I that was something I wanted to talk throat. to you about, Scott, was how how well you have acclimated um, I've been watching you through Facebook, and it seems like you have slid back into um, outside life fairly well. At least you fake it well on Facebook. And no I fake. know that you were really, really, really worried and stressed about what freedom was going to look like. It was the anxiety that you expressed to me about getting released and how that was going to look like was very sure. um I, w- I was worried for you i was worried for you and you're one of the first uh, uh prisoners that i know that's gotten released and so to see that side of of it was was a big deal to me and then to see how well you've done since then is also a big deal to me and i'm just wondering if you if you could give any advice to all those people that you left behind about how to handle the upcoming release and ways to prepare for it, what would you tell them? Well, first off, everybody drives a different car, right? Um, emotions, background, their history, um, their character, uh, their strength, their flaws. Everybody's different. Everybody attacks or, or gets attacked in different ways. I'm not a victim. I've never been a victim. I've never claimed that oh, I, I got screwed. You know, I was in the game. Uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't know all the Fed uh, tricks, but, you know, uh, I did get hit, and I was not innocent by any means. Uh, um, God, I, I don't know. I had 20 years to prepare for January 20th. Um, I had a grocery list 
files, um, and I've been just marking them off as I go. Uh, maybe a little OCD. Uh, I'm not going to lose. Um, not a quitter. Um, I was. I did have a little trepidation when I when I was uh, preparing to get out because, sure, the unknown. I mean, after so long, you know, um, I, I didn't know what to expect, right? But uh, the support group that I had was just unbelievable. I mean, when I got out, the party they had for me was people came out of the woodwork I hadn't seen for 30 years, 40 years, you know. Um, everybody was just on top of it. And that kind of gave me <laughs> a little strength. You know, that gave me strength uh, and, and a little uh, relaxation in my mental state. Um, and then it was up to me, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to lay down in a fetal position and just go, woe is me? Or am I going to get up and uh, start focusing on what I need to do to get to where I want to be? Um, to people in prison still, um, whatever amount of time they're doing, <laughs> I'm in the middle of a parking lot right now with my uh, old high school girlfriend, and she's learning to park her horse trailer <laughs> on, on Camp Pendleton. So she was coming right at me just now. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah. I, have a, I have a question for you. you yeah. I have a question for you. When you were, when you were in uh, prison for all those decades, did you think yeah. about hanging out with your old ex- ex- high school girlfriend? Wasn't even wasn't even a thought. I mean, it just came together Aww. in February. She uh, had been married. She has a son, and then I I, have, I was married and had two kids. Um, I'm still great friends with my ex. A matter of fact, uh, my girlfriend now uh, from high school. She and I went to a barbecue at my ex-wife's house and her husband's when I got out. Uh, my Aww. kids had flown in. Yeah, my kids had flown in. He, uh, my son's going to Florida State to finish up his engineering degree. So uh, he and his fiance. Go ahead. Does it feel like what? you picked up where you left off? Um, I'm a little behind. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was uh, the feds pretty much crushed me. They took everything. You know, um, I was I was retired, like I said, at at 34. So uh, they pretty much hammered me. I'm starting over, um, and you know, I just got to look forward. That's why the rearview mirror is so small. And the windshield's so large, you look forward, not backwards, you know? Wow. Great way to look at That's it. That's a really good – yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah. Scott, what, is, what was your biggest struggle since – what was the hardest thing to deal with when you got out? Oh, when I got out? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, having to deal with the parole department – after all this time, I, I figure personally uh, that they should, you know, just leave us alone. I mean, that's, oh, really yeah. that's you know, I did my 21 years. Uh, get off me, you know. Um, How long do you have? Eight. I have to two. How eight, much eight years, of, eight years. Oh, my God. Say it, you know. I mean, my mom, she um, she got out of prison and did four years and got off after two. I cannot imagine eight. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, you look at the original layout of that. You know, um, in the Fed, they originally before 1987, you did two thirds, and then the last third, you basically did parole, right? So after right. 87, yeah, 
after, you know, when they created, they dropped the parole department and they created the probation supervision uh, department, just moved it over a different name. Um, you still, now you're still doing 87% of your time, but you're still doing gang loads after. And I don't understand that. I think it's sentenced to 32 years. You know what I'm saying? I got sentenced to 24 and a half. So give me whatever's left. I did 21, three, give me the remainder under parole and then go. But that's not what's going on. So that's pretty much. They don't get as much money that way, Scott. Well, of course. I mean, we know it all to the dollar, but the whole point is that's, that's the struggle that I have is with that. Um, everything well, else I'm, I'm good with, you know, I, 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 I want to make sure that we get in before, um, before we have to end the interview. I really want to find out more about your art and where people yeah, can see your art and all that good stuff. Well, right now there's a website, um, it's scottwaltart.com. They can go on there. They can go to the San Diego Museum of Art and, uh, go under artists. And I have, uh, I'm on their gallery as well because I'm a member of the, uh, San Diego Museum of Art Artist Guild. And then there should be some more stuff coming up here pretty soon. Um, I'm going to redo the one site and, um, also right now I'm in the process of doing, there's a three and a half million dollar, uh, Marine safety center going on down at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas, California. And I'm doing the artwork for that too. So I've been dealing with the arts, uh, commission, the parks and racks. And, um, I was just elected on the board of the surfing Madonna ocean, uh, projects board. So I'm on that now. And then, uh, my art, I'll be teaching probably next year sometime at the, uh, there's a Pacific View Art Center that's getting ready to start. It was a $10 million project in Encinitas, and um, I'll probably be on that board as well and uh, start teaching and, and doing my art up there. So a lot of things going on, you know. Um, Scott, we still have two more questions on our list, and sure. we still have a few a few minutes left here. Um, I'm curious, you know, we've we've got this one question here, and we asked you about your what your struggles were after you got out of prison, and but we're wondering, yeah. besides missing your family and your friends, what is the what was the hardest part about being in prison? Well, I mean, when you go into prison, you're stuck with the outside world, right? And eventually, after time. You release the outside world, and you become the, the environment you are. Then you do that environment, and, yeah, it's sad because you do. I mean, I kind of hoisted myself and, and just had certain people that I had a circle with, like, through the emails. That was very cool when that first started uh, with the core links. Um, and then uh, you just, I mean, you just kind of re- remove that from your head because if you sit and dwell on that, it's just depressing. So, as you get closer to the street, you start eliminating the prison and start getting ready to go back. So it's just full circle. Um, during the time in prison, I think I would constantly ask my ask the question to myself, Scott, what the fuck did you do? You know, and just sit <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a trip. I went straight from the beach to the penitentiary in Lompoc. So that was a tilling field pretty much, you know. I still had sand in my hair. And uh, 
it was just amazing. I mean, I just slid right in. I was the surfer pot guy, so I was friends with the Aryan <laughs> Brotherhood, uh, the Dirty White Boys, the Latinos, the Serenios, the Crips, the Bloods. I mean, I just wasn't part of that clique, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was good. Yeah. My prison, my whole sentence was pretty blessed. I mean, I have to be, I just have to look back and just be so grateful that whatever the universe or God or whatever you believe, um, just made that pretty smooth. I mean, yeah, it took a lot of years away from me, but I read every single book from the Greeks to Dr. Phil, um, religion, philosophy, plays, poetry, I mean, you name it, everything. Um, I had time to do the art. I created the arts programs for the Bureau of Prisons. I uh, won awards for poetry. There's poetry on wow. the Read at symposiums in Washington D.C. That's on uh, on on the web. Um, I mean, so I I just tried to stay busy and focused. I guess if you look back in history, you look at a lot of writers, artists, and stuff like that. If you look at their backstory, they did prison. You know, that's where you where your gifts come out. I guess. Right, right. Um. So, would you say that those things helped you keep your head above water while you're in prison? Oh, completely. But like I said in the very beginning, I mean, going into it, you have to have the character and the strength to deal with everything, too. So, if every, like I said, everybody drives a different car. I mean, you go into prison how your character is and how your prison, how your prison time uh, is handled is based on how you are because uh, it's, it's cut and dried. I mean, you screw up, you get checked. You know, I mean, if you, um, if you get in, you get into gambling or dope or stuff like that, you better better be able ready to take care of your business. I noticed a lot of our plant prisoners. In fact, um, there's been quite a few of them released lately. Not enough, not near enough, but a, a lot more yeah. than usual that have been being released. Yeah. And we've had quite a few of them on our show. And I've noticed uh-huh. that a lot of them, are, um, a lot of uh, plant prisoners who's been in there for, for decades are not just regular people. They're like you. They're, they're heroes. They do things. They're, you know, they write poems. They're compelling and they make a difference while they're there for other people. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, you're, you're above and beyond. It's amazing what the fed or states or whatever, when dealing with the pot people, I mean, you know, we're so violent and just so out, out of control. (laughs) And they give us so much time, and it's such a waste, you know? I mean, they could be going after uh, violence. They could be going after predators. They could be going after thieves. I mean, it's just insanity. I guess we're just the easy ones to get because we're so mellow. Um, Scott, I couldn't agree with you more. My my father, he he died shackled to a little bit in the federal penitentiary because he owned Sorry. five dispensaries. In Montana, yeah, no, no, that's why I'm here. I'm a voice too. I'm, I'm a voice too. And my mom, she went Thank to prison, you. and it's been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare. But you know, like yeah. to hear you get out alive and make it out alive makes my dad's death more, a lot more justifiable in my head to know that you know well, somebody else didn't yeah. die there. Like it's so, and to yeah. hear how happy you are, how freedom feels, it is so inspiring. Oh. Yeah, and I just hope other people just don't lose faith. I mean, yeah, you get hammered. Um, a lot of people take deals. That's fine, you know. 
Um, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people go to trial, and they're looking at time, you know, 30s, 20s, uh, 15s, whatever. I mean, day to day, it seems like you're pulling a train car. But when you look back, it's just a friggin' blur. I mean, I look at it, and I can still see the day. The day I walked off that bus into the penitentiary, I can see it clear as day. You know, it seems like yesterday, but it's not. You know, it's 22 years later, basically. Um, now, I remember you didn't have, you didn't leave any children behind when you went to prison. Say that again. Did you have children when you went to prison? Oh yeah, uh, Michael. Michael was six at the time, and Taylor, my daughter, was three. Uh, my son is now uh-huh. twenty-seven, and my daughter's twenty-five. But I mean, they grew so up. So how is it? Have you been united? Have you been united with your ki- your kids too? Oh yeah, they. Uh, we had a big Aww. barbecue at my ex-wife's. At my ex-wife's house, uh, Tina and I went there, and uh, my girlfriend from high school, and uh, she met my <laughs> wife, and my ex, Aww. and I met I met her husband, and we had a barbecue, and the kids were there. They had flown in from Florida. Um, I met my grandson, two-year-old uh, Liam, for the first time. So yeah, I mean, it's all good. Yeah, nice. just, I'm blessed. Nice. You know, I, I was I'm blessed. I, I I can't be uh, grateful enough. Or just what's going on in my life, but also I've had, you know, I've had to 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 yell and scream, you know. Oh, a closed mouth doesn't get fed, so you gotta you gotta get out there. These guys that get out of prison, they gotta get out there and they gotta just move. I mean, they gotta focus, hunker down, and get their ass together, you know, or or the earth will will chew them up. Just... For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, Mindy, is there anything else that you wanted to ask, Scott? Not to ask him, I just want to tell him thanks for coming on, and you really are an incredible inspiration to me, and um, I'm just glad that I've gotten to get to know you and see you go from prisoner to free man. I appreciate that, Mimi, and and doing those songs with you, uh, the liners, the one-liners was very cool uh, back when I was in prison trying to guess the songs, so that was pretty fun. (laughs) It made my day. It made my day. I made up the game and I suck at the game really bad. So. Yeah, you did end up kind of throwing up the white flag, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys are better at that game than I am. Thanks again, Scott, so much. And enjoy your day with your. Now, you keep yeah. saying your high school girlfriend and your girlfriend, yeah. so am I going to connect the dots and say current girlfriend? Oh yeah, I mean we're we're right here. We're on Camp Pendleton on the base, no, uh, the Marine base, and we're in a parking lot of the old hospital. They built a five billion dollar uh, hospital over by the beach. Uh, yeah, that's and so awesome. Learning to park a horse trailer. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we better let you learn how to park that horse trailer. Oh, I'm not. Doing that is it. She's awesome. Learning now. She's going on a big trip oh. in a couple of weeks, so she has to learn. She's got her hooked up to the truck, and we're just kind of going around the parking lot, putting her between cones. So I have a visual of this that's very entertaining. Thank you so much oh, for yeah. that. Of course, anytime. <laughs> All righty. Thank you, Scott, so much. You're doing great work and just keep it up. Never surrender. Hey, Scott, if Eugene, we have a, the other host of the show, his name is Eugene Fisher, and he served 25 years of a life sentence. And if he was on, he'd be so happy to talk to you, but he had to take today off because he fell and hurt himself. So. Um, I'll just oh. say bye from him too because I know he would have loved. To, he wouldn't want to miss this interview, but he had no choice. Right. I hear you. Well, give him my regards. 
He'll be good. He'll be good. All right. Cool, cool. Right. Thank you, Scott. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good day, Scott. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, you guys, that was Scott Walt, who just in January released from um, his sentence after 24 years. And free, thank God, he's finally free. Um, next, we're going to talk to <clears throat> Jeff Eichen. Jeff Eichen is the producer of a movie called Lifers, a documentary. And Jeff is trying to use his documentary um, so that we'll, it'll have an, a visual effect on people who like to watch movies so that they can see that there's still people serving life sentences for cannabis. Um, I personally, even Mindy, we've, we've personally worked with Jeff. Um, I've been working on a more on a, on a regular basis trying, trying to um, help bring attention to our lifers. And Jeff has two special guests on the line, I believe. Um, and we're going to talk to Jeff about how his movie's coming along. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hey, you're here with Mindy. Eugene's off this. Eugene's off this morning because he hurt himself. But you're here with uh, Mindy and I. Well, blessings and Godspeed to you, Eugene, if you're listening. And um, uh, yeah, sometimes we get hurt to slow us down. (laughs) (laughs) If we're moving, if we're moving too fast. So um, I just wanted to um, have a shout out there and. and say that I'm really proud of you all for doing what you're doing. And to the folks out there dedicated to end the war on drugs, um, I'm hoping that Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris show up today. If they don't, we'll get them for next week. And they wrote a book recently on the war on drugs. And they're just, they've been in, act, uh, in activism for cannabis. And um, the, Chris helped to write the initiative that made medical marijuana legal in California in 1995, and guess what? Everybody was um, uh, too lazy or <laughs> using, and they flew, they had me fly up, and I walked the initiative into the state capitol in 1995 for Jack Herrera. Wow. Well, yeah, they're amazing so, people. I, I actually met them um, on the, when I was driving through on the cannabis with Stacey Tice. And I also met them at a convention up in Montana, um, when a, a, a marijuana convention up out there. So um, they are well, they're people. Close, they're my very close friends, and they're go, and they're they're full of information, and they're at every event, and they were just at High Times in in um, in San Francisco. And I wanted to make a mention about High Times and how come um, that. Uh, Washington and Colorado cannot have high times events anymore. And this moment, I want a moment of silence, everybody. In four days, they're going to shut down the medical marijuana in Washington State. So I wanted a moment of silence because it's a travesty that uh, our POWs will no longer have affordable and safe marijuana. Yes, I agree. I'll take a moment right now. In four days. Rest in peace, medical marijuana. <laughs> yes, and come come back to everybody. Um, no, no, my dad, my dad, Richard Floor, he helped get um, that on the ballot. My dad helped get signatures to help get that on the ballot um, back in 1998, I believe it was. No, 92, I think it was. No, 90. Well, it's so I don't remember. It's but, so um, unbelievable that all of us in the union are behind uh, lagging on getting recreational, and recreational is not the most important issue. It's the medical and the um, industrial. So we can have, like Jack Herrera said, paper, 
fiber, fuel, and now medicine and food that the, the miracle plan serves and get our prisoners out and end prohibition. Jeff Mazansky, who was in for 21 years and nine months, will be here at HempFest. We finally got him a ticket and his son. They're coming, and they will be on a panel at HempFest and at my green carpet world premiere of Lifers, the movie, at HempFest in August. So all you folks come down, check out my website, lifersthemovie.com, for updates and for time and to be announced the location of our premiere on the green carpet. We'll have Kristen on the green carpet, and we're just going to interview people. It's going to be a gala event at one of the photography studios in Seattle. It's going to be so much fun on Saturday night, August 20th, from 8 to 11. And you're just going to enjoy meeting um, Chris and um, Mazansky and another prisoner. I think George is coming, and we're going to have um, them speak right after I do a small short of my movie and um, surprise guests will be there, too, besides Chris. Wow, that sounds exciting. I guess I'm looking forward to it. I didn't know we had all those big plans, but I will I will definitely try to be um, be there. Well, um, I, and I, Mindy, told everybody, I told everybody, in, in, including Jimmy Roman's uh, sister this week, that I'm going to reopen the, the, the provincial for me to get into the prison in Terre Haute and um, I'm very close, but I'm not in yet, and I've spoken to them many times, and I have my credentials now, and I'm not going to stop my lifetime. This is my life project. I guarantee and I promise Jack Carrere and the rest of you out there that um, I'm going to spend the rest of my life getting all the prisoners out and helping to end prohibition on a plant that is way less terrible than alcohol. Well, Jeff, I'm excited to be working with you. Um, I haven't actually went on there and applied to be a speaker yet for the Seattle Hunt Fest, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to put um, the whole entire weekend in there because my, I, have a, I have a daughter I have to attend to through the weekend as well. But I am definitely going to be try to be there at two out of the three days. So um, I will we'll be a part as much as I can. And we've, we've invited you officially, everybody. Um, we want Kristen Floor interviewing on the green carpet. It's going to be a Hollywood documentary. <laughs> and, um, and we're just going to blow this up so the media will share with the world what's going on through film. So Obama, Willie Nelson, and, um, you know, Woody Harrelson, and all these people that we want to court to get the word out larger. There's so many 420 um, musicians out there that are high profile that could make the world more aware. Bill Maher said, we got gay marriage. Marijuana is next. Yeah, for sure, Jeff. Thank you. And thank you for being a voice for our prisoners on our radio show um, and having that need be a voice for our prisoners on your TV show, on your documentary. I, I really think it's really cool. Um, it's really fun. Is there it's really fun. Yeah. Is is there anything else you want to mention before um before we know next week we plan on having you on for a little bit longer so we could talk to Nikki and um Mickey and and Chris, uh, and Chris Conrad are are epic. Yeah. They'll be on next weekend for sure. We'll we'll have time to get them. And um and I just want to um shout out to all the prisoners out there that are listening and all that aren't that um Again, I just want to reiterate that um, I want to be your voice through my film and through my episodes. I'm doing a six-part documentary. The second 
part of my documentary. The second episode is going to be on the children and how the children were affected by this. For gosh sakes, one gal was four years old when her daddy went in for 25 years. She missed daddy for a plant. So um, everybody yeah, in all prison. I can coordinate a bunch of that, too. I know a lot of people whose dads are in prison for a plant. So Yeah, so, the, so episode number two is going to be about the children. And we want these episodes to be so clean and educational that they can use them in school forever and, um, and for this never to happen again. The planet is, uh, is in desperate need of mentors that are dedicated to cleaning things up. And I appreciate you, Kristen and Mindy, for doing the work you're doing. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And I, by the way, Jeff, I want to thank you for that T-shirt. I wear it all over the place trying to get people to know about your documentary. So I want to pre- tell you I appreciate that. I'm really slow at updating my website, but I'm learning more about WordPress. And um, as we all get better, each time we learn something, we're worth more the next day. So I'm learning more about putting photos and media on my website. And I don't have all the dough. So when I start my campaign, uh, my Indiegogo media campaign for funds and everything to help out here, everybody will know. And hopefully they'll join in and help support lifers. Cool, cool. Thank you, Jeff. So we're at LifeWorkMovie.com, and I'm really blessed to be on the radio with you periodically, and thanks, gals, for all you do. Thank you, Jeff. Have a nice day. Oh, thank you so much, everybody. Hemp, hemp, hooray. Hemp, hooray. All right, you guys, that was was good old Jeff Eichen, E-I-C-H-E-N. You can find him on Facebook. Um, you can also find him outside in the video camera at your local cannabis courthouse or cannabis case at a local courthouse or <clears throat> interviewing people at festivals and things like that, trying to find out, you know, what they think uh, about people going to prison for life is. So that's Jeff Eichen. Next, we're going to talk to Tom Corby. Tom Corby is a chapter coordinator for the northern chapter of California for the Human Solution International. They are a nonprofit organization that just simply believes that no one should go to jail for a plant. And through court support and prison outreach, they are trying to end prohibition. So let's talk to Tom Corby about his mission to end prohibition and how it's going up in Northern California. Good morning, Tom. Uh, top of the day, I'll, I'll do my best. Oh, I've got these allergies to the to the point of bronchitis, <clears throat> but I'm getting through the day. Uh, it was so good to hear Joseph Tully talk and Aaron Neal about their historical case up there in El Dorado. Uh, where we talk about uh, trial lawyers, uh, Tully is second to none uh, in Northern California. <laughs> Uh, we have Alex Lyons. Uh, I want to share again for a minute uh, how his case is unique from all the others in that Alex waived his rights to waive time, uh, took him straight on to trial. Uh, now we have D.A. Jennings backing down. Uh, he needs more time. How often do you hear that a DA needs more time. Furthermore, uh, DHNs is sympathetic with Alex's case, 
as Alex was very truthful and upfront and stayed within the gloss and the guidelines. Uh, furthermore, uh, he's also agreed to have a meeting uh, with Alex and his attorney, uh, Stefana Firmino, who I really like here in Butte County, and also I may be there with the Human Solution to advocate. Uh, this is historical uh, in Butte County. Again, we set precedents up here in Northern California. Uh, uh, also, uh, uh, so my, Alex Lyons is going on to uh, PTC uh, on the 14th of July uh, at 1.30 p.m. Uh, that's at number one Court Street right here in Oroville, California. Uh, we always try to muster at least local court support in a 50-mile radius. Uh, you're not only coming to watch the defendants back, but to bear witness to the injustices that go on inside these courtrooms. It's inconceivable sometimes and frustrating. Uh, also, uh, we always talk about if more people would take them on to trial, we probably wouldn't be fighting our war today. I believe only 5 to 7% of people take them on to trial. Most people plea bargain, and they don't realize how it screws them, these plea bargains. And that uh, DAs, uh, actually uh, PDs, uh, make three times as much when they can get you to plea bargain out. So our mindset is always, as Joseph Tully will tell you, is keep it going on, take it on to trial. Uh, Nick Moran, uh, he's staying here with us and his mom, uh, Liz Joy, uh, who came down all the way from Michigan to support her son, uh, got busted here in Butte County by Venice a year ago. Uh, he was just a worker on a, a mad collective. Uh, it looks really good for him. He's also... Uh, Recused his first attorney, uh, Ben, ben Scarf, uh, who admitted that he does not, he's not real cannabis savvy like Tully. Uh, he did a fair job. He failed to file on a timely manner on one uh, hearing, which is not good. Uh, well, a lot of attorneys uh, do, you have to follow up on your attorneys and make sure they're filing on it in a timely manner. Uh, Nick Moran uh, had scheduled for July 6th for jury trial selection. Well, that is going to be postponed now that Tully is uh, taking the case on. So uh, Moran is scheduled. I've been trying to get it to the Human Solution calendar. Uh, I cannot get it to post. Uh, Moran is going for a pretrial conference at 1.30 p.m., uh, this this coming Thursday, uh, June 30th at 1.30 p.m. at number one Court Street. Uh, please come and support Nick and his mom. Uh, we always talk about jury nullifications, how important it is that most people, when you talk to them, do not have a clue on their rights if they feel that the Sethi's way outweighs the crime, which in these, all these cases are victimless crime. If there's no victim, how can there be a crime? Uh, I want to thank you all for listening today. Oh, listen, also, uh, I just 
update from James Benno. Uh, he's also on tomorrow morning. Uh, that's at 1655 West Street up in Redding, California. Uh, he's also recused another incompetent PE, and he's also hired Joseph Tully. So he's on tomorrow at 10 a.m. And before that, we have uh, Blue, uh, James Mobley, with uh, Medicine for Military at 8.30 tomorrow morning. Uh, that's also before James at 1655 uh, West Street uh, and up on the hill. Uh, come, come uh, of course, forth and uh, defend our defendants. I uh, also want to, it was nice to hear uh, uh, Scott Walt talk today, uh, and I'm so glad he's free, and he's adjust, adjusting to the outside world. Uh, that takes quite an adjustment, and it seems like he's handled that very well. It's great to hear him talk today, too, and all the talk people that talk today. It's always good to have a defendant share their case. Nobody knows your case better than you. I want to thank you all today, all those on the front lines to help us uh, be the solution to end prohibition. You can join us at thehumansolution.org. Help be the solution. You can use our calendar, post your events. So I'll be out of Dodge for now, and always don't forget to breathe. Thank you, Christian, Eugene, Becca, Mindy, uh, for another historical radio show. Thank you, Tom, very, very much. We appreciate you coming on our show. Uh, for more of you, if you are from Northern California and need to, you need Tom's help or the help from the Human Solution, um, his name is T-O-M-K-O-R-B-Y on Facebook, and that would be a good way to get in, in touch with him. Um, next, we are going to um, close out the show, but first, Mindy has something she would like to say. Mindy? Yeah, I want, I'm going to, hopefully I'm going to bring Becca on, see if she can, if she's there. Becca, are you there? Ah, she has us on mute, that Becca. Well, anyway, I want to make sure and thank, I want to make sure and thank Becca Nichols. Um, Becca is uh, with the Human Solution International, and more than that, she has been my best friend for I can't tell you how many years now. And when shit's hitting the fan and we need help, she's always there to be a sub for us and, you know, be a screener and um, is a great, great part of our writing team. And I just really want to thank her for being there at the last minute and, and help yeah, she's, one of the she's one of the writers for the Northwest Leaf, um, the Oregon Leaf, and the uh, Cannabis Vega Magazine, Canamag. Yeah, the Vegas Cannabis Magazine, yes. And it's I get to work with my best friend, and that's fabulous. And um, I just wanted, <laughs> well, I just I just wanted to make sure. And... <laughs> yes, you and do. Her voice, um, her voice, the voice that she has and that she gives for our prisoners and not only does she just do that type of stuff, but she gets out there at the events, helps get the letters signed. Um, and her voice that she reflects for on behalf of our prisoners is absolutely amazing. And I, I appreciate her as well for the help that she gives specifically to this radio show and the other projects we're, we're, we're part of her with. I also want to make sure and let everybody know that if you are, uh, if you're in contact with uh, Corvain Cooper or Paul Free at Atwater, Atwater's on lockdown. So you will not be getting Corelink's messages from them. 
Um, I'm quite sure, I don't know how long lockdown will be there, but I'm sure they would appreciate letters. And then we mentioned earlier that Chris Williams is also is in the hole. Um, and knowing Chris is one of the prisoners that I've gotten to know the longest and got to visit and through Kristen gotten to know too. And I don't believe that he would have gotten in a fight there if he didn't feel he had to. And if it wasn't for something he had to do. So, um, Thing too, Mindy, is he, he's so close to being released for him to get in a fight and jeopardize. You know, he could he he should be out in November, but that's on early release. This this ruins that, so he might actually have to stay in prison for longer. So it must have been worth it for him to to risk all that for. I agree. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and give out his uh, his address really quick so people could send him a letter because that is the only way he can communicate right now uh when you're in the hole you do not get phone service you do not get um uh, any communication through core links and so um it is christopher williams and the address is at the federal detention center of c-tech s-e-a-t-a-c P.O. Box 13900, that's 13900, Seattle, Washington, 98198. And his inmate number, which you have to have, is 11839-046. That's 11839-046. And for those of you who don't know, it's really easy to find a prisoner um, in the federal prison system at um, the BOP.gov inmate locator site. All you need is their first and last name, and um, nine times out of ten, you can at least narrow it down. I mean, when you put in Chris's name, there's 15 different people that are Christopher Williams, but most of them are already released, and it just takes a few minutes to maybe figure out exactly the right one, but it's pretty easy to do. Also, if you can't find your way through the Bureau of Prisons site, you can always reach Kristen or I, and we can help you find pretty much any prisoner in the system, uh, federal or state. So I highly recommend to pick up a letter and write. Um, I just got a note from Robert Furlong, who pointed out to me that he and I have been pen pals now for a year, and it really makes a difference to them to have communication from the outside. And so I recommend it. Do it, guys. Send someone a letter. <laughs> yeah, because most of the time um, they've been snitched on, all that, and they just need a good friend, that somebody to say, hey, I'm still here for you. You know, my my dad's partner, he was snitched on by all my dad's other partners and went to trial and everything. And he used to get tons and tons of mail, but I, I think after a while it falls falls out and they still need to be recognized. So I agree with Mindy. Mindy, is there anything else you want to say before we close out the show? No, I think that covered it. Okay, well, I talked to Eugene this morning, and he wanted me to tell all the listeners that he misses them and that he's hopefully going to be back by the next show. Um, but besides that, um, I think I'm going to go into closing. Um, let me get over here to my closing notes. Um, so, yeah, first, before we close, we want to thank uh, CCHI 2016 for letting us do this show on their network. Um, we want to thank Eugene Fisher, who is the other host of the show, Mindy, who is a guest host today and the producer every day, all the callers, all the listeners, Becca for screening, and then all the other volunteers that have ever helped us even just a little bit to a lot. 
I mean, all the and every of course everybody who's listened. Um, we also want to tell you guys about your um, how we can end the war right now is one through jury nullification, which you guys we talked about that a few times in the show. Say not guilty if you're ever called to jury duty. Judge the laws, not the defendant. Also, um, we want to say we can end the war right now by just not snitching on each other because as cases go down and then they get each other all against each other, it forces people to take plea agreements. It forces people to go to trial and it forces their their friends and their family members to have to snitch on them. So just please know that two ways we can end the war is by saying not guilty and just not by opening our mouths and snitching on each other. Um, I just want to also say, um, because I just love Richard DeLisi so much, he's, he is fighting and hanging in there, and he's got grandkids and family he needs to be home with, but instead he's been serving, he's working on his 28th year in federal in state prison in Florida. So I just want to give a shout-out to Richard. Um, he's one of my friends that calls me, and I just feel his pain along with everybody else's. Um, so we just want to say um, rest in peace to a few people who have lost their lives in the middle of the war. Like my father, Richard Floor, um, I've talked about him a few times today, but he's been on my mind a lot because last week was Father's Day, and I was going through a family emergency last week, so I wasn't able to come on the show and do our final closing, but it, it was because it was Father's Day. It had me really thinking about my dad and the struggles I was personally going through in my life, and um, to know the way I lost my dad and to have to reflect on that on Father's Day, it did make it pretty hard, but I just know... Um, that he's not in the middle of the war no more, and he does he has reached freedom. So um, rest in peace to my father. Rest in peace to Gary Shepard, who is also not in the middle of the war anymore because he was shot down by the federal government over 21 years ago. Um, he was shot down to the ground um, during a raid because cannabis is federally illegal. When he got shot down, Mary Jane Jones also got shot down, and she held their baby son Jake in, their, in her arms. She survived, but Gary lost his life that day. Um, and we don't ever want to forget about the sacrifices that they gave to our to our movement. Mary Jane Jones lived to, for 20 more years until just recently she passed away from, from cancer. We also want to say rest in peace to Jack Hare, who we have talked about quite a bit on the show. Um, Jeff came on discussing Jack Hare. But I want to tell everybody to go get his book. It's called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. It's very, very, very important book because it tells you all about the conspiracy that the plant has, um, that the government has against the plant in order to keep the plant locked down so that we can't use the plant for medicine, oil, gas, or fuel, um, all the things, the paper, all the things we can eat, food. We can't do those things right now because we're busy using up all the other resources that government wants us to use up while we keep the plant demonized jack's book will tell you all about it rest in peace to jack who i just know is out there hanging out with my dad hanging out with gary hanging out with bill lamorte who is a prisoner he spent 20 years in prison for a plant and on his 20th year in prison on the 4th of july okay which is right around the corner from us now on the 4th of july bill lamorte died of a heart attack in the prison yard Bill Morte was a really good friend of our host, Eugene Fishers, who was in prison with him when he died. Um, and his voice was never heard. But I, I swear, um, as long as I'm alive, I'm always going to um, be able to represent Bill Morte because he shouldn't have died in prison for a plant, period. Especially on a day, the 4th of July, when we call call the plant, um, call, call a 4th of July national holiday a, a day of freedom. 
But here we got Bill Lamorte dying after 20 years in prison for a plant. Okay. That's a piece to um, Peter McWilliams, who was a big advocate, civil rights advocate. One of the civil rights he fought for was for cannabis. In fact, he was on probation for cannabis when he passed away and couldn't use the plant. He's written, um, and rumor has it that he died choking on his vomit. Um, but, however, Peter McWilliams, he gave us books, inspirational books, to help us get us through tragedy. One that one was the death on a book about death, which helped me get through my father's death. He's brought some very inspirational books, so please check out Peter McWilliams' books. Also, rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who was one of the Kettle Five, Paul Five family out here in Washington. Um, before he passed, he had made a trip out to D.C. trying to help others and try to advocate for our federal laws to change. Larry Harvey passed away, and his whole family now faces prison time. Um, rest in peace to him. Also, rest in peace to Dee Young. She gave us Adam, and Adam is a huge voice for our prisoners. And Dee was just an um, amazing woman, and we just we just love them. And rest in peace to her. Rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father calls into our show every single Sunday and risks going on lockdown to get his, his voice heard. Um, Curtis died in the middle of the war without his dad, and we, we just never want our young, young people to pass away like that. Also, rest in peace to Spencer Coptus and Cassie Hyde, two little, little, little children who are using the plant to cure their brain tumors. And it was working until their caregivers were raided. When their caregivers were raided, it made it really hard for Spencer's and Cashy's parents to get their medicine. And their, their brain tumors grew. In fact, it grew to the point of death. And now we no longer have Spencer and Cashy in our lives. We want them to rest in peace, along with Bernardo Fumo Martinez, who is one of the closest friends of mine. In fact, I would call him one of my bestest friends I've ever had in this whole entire world, who shared one of the same passions I had, and that's that nobody should go to jail for a plant. And Bernardo Fumo Martinez, he was an advocate on a worldly level. He traveled from country to country and tried to, was trying to launch videos about jury nullification and about what was going on in the United States. Fumo is no longer with us. I've been thinking about him a lot, so that's why I think I'm, I'm weeping a little tear over my friend right now. But I also want to say rest in peace to Elaine Sammons, who was a part of the Onat tribe. And Elaine, she was in the middle of the war when the 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 um, the tribal members, Joy Graves, was sending her a package in the mail to help help her with her health, and it was intercepted by the post office. And in the meantime, she, uh, Elaine. In the middle of trying to fight for that package, she just passed away. Also, rest in peace to Oscar, who was a friend of George's, who they say went to FBI in the sky. And, of course, I want to say rest in peace to a new person I put on the list who's been passed away for years. That's Rick Smith, who fought for the plant out here in Washington. Just before uh, he passed away, I had a chance to meet him. And, man, what an amazing man he is. So rest in peace to all them. We're going to play a song. It's called... Uh, no More War by Kushite Sikse. Um, and this is just because this is what we mean. And if you guys are around, I'm going to play a couple more songs after that. So stay tuned. Um, we're going to hear a song from Carrie Woosley in a minute and two songs from Carrie Woosley. So stay tuned. Here, first, No More War. Man, it ain't a sport, got these evil politicians contorting the truth, and these wicked ass witches. 
patience like a damn malpractice. 2012 and they still manifesting destiny with military industry complex style weaponry. Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on the Hennessy. CIA means coke in America, apparently. It's been a narco plutocracy since the 70s. Corporations profiteering, domineering everything. Radio press, news in the media. You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you like GMOs. From Monsanto, ringing alarms at family farms so man can't grow.
My freedom, well, it leaves me today These last few months went warp speed, I must say If you were smart, you'd leave me and walk away Oh, babe So now I sit here and I pray Got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me, and I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it, well, that's easy for them to say. Well, hold me tight, don't let them put me away. Freedom, babe. I told I'd be free and walk away I lost my freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom And a heart that is filled for me And I will not let them take it away Well, you say we don't need it Well, that's easy for them to Won't hold me tight, don't let them put me away Freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom And a heart that is still for me And I will not let them take it away Well, you say we don't need it Well, that's easy for them to say, well, hold me tight.